Hello and welcome to the 22nd episode of the Commander's Contingency Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about a Georgia of the Getu Suspend Cheating Mana Cost deck and a Joda Archmage Eternal Cheating Mana Cost deck. We are also going to analyze all the Copper Codes and talk briefly about Historic Anthology 3. So to start off, I'm going to go over the MTG news. So Historic Anthology 3 is an arena exclusive release. So there are 24, 25 cards in it that you, that you can only play in Historic on Arena, and it is 3400 gems. I don't know anything about Historic on Arena, so I'm just going to be presenting you with this information. I will include a link to the spoilers in the description. Uh, so that you can evaluate for yourself whether you do or do not want to buy it. It was all spoiled on the 8th, and that there's definitely some good cards. There's an Ulamog, this is the Hunger, there's all the Shrine, the Hondins, the Shrines. There are a couple of useful cards. There's Marari's Wake, Swan Song. There are definitely some good cards, but I don't know anything about the historic metagame. So I'm not going to speak of how playable I think it is. All right, so card of the week this week. We are going to be analyzing Call the Copper Coats. Call the Copper Coats is two and a white for an instant. Drive. This spell costs one in a white more to cast for each target beyond the first. Choose any number of target opponents. Create X11 white human soldier creature tokens, where X is the number of creatures those opponents control. So, basically, it is a way to create tokens. So, using data that I collected on different CMCs of creatures, I can analyze how likely you are to get a, a, a specific number of soldiers from any player. So obviously there are variables and this wouldn't be perfect, but I can present you with this data. So this is if you use one, if you don't use anything for the strive, uh, you can replicate and that would just likely double or triple depending on how many times you replicate it or even more if you're playing more than four player the number of creatures you will probably get which does increase the value as it is only two mana to replicate it and there okay so for call the copper coats in order for it to be on rate generally good value good card it has to be three. In order for it to be amazing, it has to be four. So that's if we use it for three. If we use it for five mana, I would probably expect something like six, maybe even seven creatures, which is possible to happen. But so let's just start at the bottom. So the odds of us getting CMC are getting one or more creature if we target an opponent. On turn three, we, we're just starting off with an 80% chance. So we're almost definitely gonna get that. Uh, 
the odds on turn three of getting two or more is a 42% chance. So we might get that if we're lucky, but who knows. And CMC three or more on turn three, 15% chance. So you're almost not definitely not gonna get a good rate for it if you cast it on turn three. So the reason that I'm saying CMC three or more, really I'm saying the number of cards. So three or more, the odds of you getting that is a 15% chance. But I'm eliminating cards with CMC4 if we're casting it on turn three. Because if we're on rate, our opponents should not be able to cast it. Because Call the Copper Coats is an instant, we can assume that by the time you've cast it, all of your opponents have cast their creatures. So I can factor in all of the cards that are at the same CMC as the spell. But I cannot factor in uh, cards for CMCs higher. I could, but I think it gives me more accurate data if I do it this way. Um, so if you cast it on turn three, you might be, you'll almost definitely get one. You might be able to get two, and if you're very lucky, you might be able to get three. But you're not looking that great. So if you cast it on turn four, what are you looking at? A 95% chance to get one or more. So you're gonna get one. One in 20 is almost never. Uh, two or more, we're looking at a 76% chance. So we're almost definitely gonna get that. And three or more, we're looking at a 46% chance. Thinking about this, this is still bad. I mean, we're talking about for it to be on rate, it has to be three or more. Yes, there are not very many three CMC instant speed cards that make one ones, but in order for this to be playable, that's really what it has to be. And we're gonna have to play it off of curve, which makes it even worse. So turn four, we're looking a bit shabby. We'll get two, maybe even three. And uh, four or more, we have a 20% chance, so we're basically not gonna get that. But let's, let's see on turn five. So on turn five, we have a 97% chance of getting one or more, so again, we will definitely get that. On turn two, we have got an 86% chance, sorry, on turn five, we've got an 86% chance to get two or more, so we're looking really good on that. We've got a 63% chance of getting three or more. That's not great. That's really not great. I mean, the odds of you getting it are not that high. Yes, it is much better, and I would say it is on rate at that point because you have a 35% chance of getting four or more. But really, it is just not quite there even on turn five. If you are replicating it, then you're likely to get maybe five creatures for five mana, which isn't too bad, but it also kind of is. So I'd say it, it's okay. Um, if you have any way to take advantage of it, if you need another token producer, this is not that bad. And on turn six, again, the farther you go into the future, 
the later you cast it, the more the odds increase. So on turn six, you have a 50% chance of getting something four or more. So, or of getting four or more creatures from the one person. So I would say if we don't count in the stride, this is mediocre at best. Sometimes it'll work out and sometimes you'll get a home run, but it's usually just going to be mediocre, which I would say is fine. You're gonna have to think about this in your deck, and if you have run out of better options of token producers in your colors, I would definitely run this. You can replicate it. That is gonna make it a lot better. And this is a rare exception. Usually, when I'm talking about these numbers, I say, look at these numbers with suspicion. This is the number of cards that they'll draw. Not the number that they'll play. But here I would say it's different. I did not count token producers. So, there are tons more cards that create creatures that I did not count. So, in this rare exception, I would say that there could be more. There could be more creatures than I would say in these numbers. So, it's okay. Um, if you are looking for another token producer, I would do this. But this is not, by any stretch of the imagination, the bet one of the best token producers out there. Alright, it is time to get into the decks. I'm going to explain the commander quest. So, the commander quest is my eventual goal in building all this deck. So, I'm building, like, roughly 300 decks with no overlap in cards. So, eventually, I will have built decks with every single card in Magic that is legal in Commander. That is my eventual goal, that is what I'm working on, and that is what these decks are a part of. So, if you're like, why isn't this card in there? It's because it's really limited, and I'm trying to balance these for this scenario. I'm not balancing them for play, I do when that's possible, and I do want them to be as close as possible to playable. So, I'm going to start off with a cheating mana cost Joda Archmage Eternal. So, the idea of this deck is to get a whole lot of cards with insane mana cost out of the way. I just looked at the most expensive cards in Commander, and my game plan is turn 3, cast a key rune, turn 4, cast Joda, and start playing massive spells. I've got a Karuga the Macro Sage also as my companion. So, to start reading stuff off and explaining it, Joda Archmage Eternal is 1 blue, red, white for a 4 3 flying legendary creature, human wizard. And you may play white, blue, black, red, green rather than pay the mana cost for spells that you cast. So, I can cast absolutely massive spells without paying their mana cost. So, as I said, my game plan is cast a key rune. So a key rune, 
basically they're three mana, they can tap for one of two different colors, and then they have an ability of those two different colors to make it into a creature that has an ability. So, the reason that I'm using those and not for, and not another type of artifact is for two reasons. One, preferably a cheaper one. One, I have Karugra the Macro Sage as the companion. So your starting deck contains only cards with converted mana cost three or greater and land cards. And two, I can't run all the cheap uh, artifacts. I have to save some of them. So Karugra the Macro Sage is three hybrid green, blue, hybrid green, blue for a five, four. And when it enters the battlefield, draw a card for each other permanent you control with converted mana cost three or greater. So I draw a card for every single permanent I have. This is really a plan B. If I do not have proper fixing with my key runes, with my Jode, in order to cast things with Joda, I can cast this to draw some cards. I will likely not be drawing very many cards, most likely three, one for Joda, one for Kirun, one for Karuga, maybe more, but not necessarily. I will then, hopefully, draw Fixing. This deck does not have great Fixing. Uh, in terms of lands, it's got basically nothing, just the basics, because I am limited by the commander quest. So I have some key runes to supplement it, which I just told you what they are. And because I have two of them and a couple other mana rocks, I am likely 80% chance to get a mana rock every single game by turn three. So that is that. Uh, that's the game plan, and I just have a ton of massive spells. I mean, literally, my average converted mana cost is, I'm pretty sure it's 9, 8.56. That's got to be the highest converted mana cost, well, definitely that I've ever built. That's going to be, that's just insane. 8. 0.56 average converted mana cost. But you have to look at it differently. You have to look at it as if all of those cards are 5 CMC. I am curving up. My curve is land, 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 because I can't cast anything on turns 1 and 2 because of Karuga. Kirun, Joda, giant spell, giant spell over and over and over again. And hopefully I can get this stuff out of the way. So, I just threw a whole bunch of super expensive stuff. Uh, so let's start. So, first of all, we have Omniscience. Seven, blue, 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 four, an enchantment. You may cast spells from your hand without paying their mana costs. So, uh, yeah, no, they don't cost five, they cost zero. That is awesome. We have, honestly, we have a Jin Cataxias, Core Augur, 8 
blue blue five four at the beginning of your end step and draw seven each opponent's maximum hand size is reduced by seven so your opponents will have to discard their hands at end of turn and you'll draw seven you will have to discard down to hand size though um there is kozilek archer of truth 10 for a 12 12 whenever you cast this spell draw four cards annihilator four and when it's put into a graveyard from anywhere, its owner shuffles their graveyard into their library. So, the reason that this is notable is because whenever it says whenever you cast this spell. So, cards that have that as a condition will get triggered because I am casting them. Or cards that say whenever you cast this spell from your hand, this Joda gets around most restrictions that prevent you from getting benefit from casting it for free. So I am running a lot of playable cards here, but they're all very expensive. So it gives them kind of an excuse to throw them in. Um, it's very hard to find a spot for super expensive cards if I'm not cheating them in. So I have this deck. And, I mean, I could read tons more expensive cards, but you get the idea. I mean, some of them are bad, some of them are good, but they're just ways to end the game. So that is that deck. Uh, there's not really much else to cover in it. Uh, it is rather expensive, but that's how expensive cards and old cards go. I'm pretty sure there's a card that is actually randomly a hundred dollars even though it's terrible but since architect won't load i guess we will never know so the next deck is a jehoira of the gitu uh suspense deck suspend deck so jehoira of the gitu is one blue red for tutu legendary creature human wizard two exile a non-land card from your hand, put four time counters on the, on the exiled card. If it doesn't have suspend, it gains suspend. So the idea of this deck is to one, cast out lots of very cheap giant things. Well, really expensive, really. I'm just saying it's cheap because I only have to pay two mana for, for it through Joyra. So I have a very, I have kind of a sub-theme of nine drops because I have a Grozoth in this deck, which is six blue 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 for a nine nine, and when it comes into play, you may search your library for any number of cards that have converted mana cost nine, reveal them, and put them into your hand if you do shuffle your library. Um, so that that's great. So I have a small sub-theme of 9-drops, I've got a significant number of them. Again, this has a huge amount, a huge average CMC, average CMC of 6.06. It's not as insane as the last one, but it's still ridiculous. So, basically, you get the idea. It's that, it's giant spells, and it's also upkeep and suspend manipulation. Some counter manipulation too. So first of all we have Paradox Haze. Two and a blue 
for an enchantment aura. Enchant player. At the beginning of enchanted player's first upkeep each turn, that player gets an additional upkeep step after this step. So I get two upkeeps to remove time counters. That is amazing. It doubles the speed at which I can take things off. I also have a whole lot of instants and sorceries that say that I can remove uh, time counters from my spells or my suspended cards. Uh, other than that, there's not really much else to it. There are a whole lot of insane cards with suspend. Being able to suspend things makes them extremely broken. So that's the deck. Uh, there's not really much else to it. Yes, it is very slow because if you think about it, Joyra, you cast it. If you have to wait another turn until turn four to suspend two things, you're not getting to cast things until turn eight. But you've cast two spells. So it, uh, it, it is kind of a conundrum because on turn eight, you can cast two giant things which will likely get you close to a point of winning the game. But by that point, other people have made huge moves too. They've done a lot to progress their game plan and make it so they might potentially win too. So really, who knows? It depends on if you get lucky or not, but it's very likely you will get beaten down while you're waiting for your stuff to come out. Those are the decks for this week. I kept it brief because there's not very much to cover. I mean, yeah, I could cover, oh, there's lots of giant spells in here, but they're not particularly notable. I mean, yeah, they have large effects on the game, but that doesn't really matter. I mean, it, it's so redundant in this deck that it's not really useful to cover them. Um, that, I mean, that's, that's all I Since I am done with going over the decks, I am going to go over the collection statistics. So, I have 19,045 total cards and 19,000, sorry, 1,945 and 1,939 unique printings or unique cards. So, the reason for that is seven dwarves, which I can use seven of, and I did last week, which I will be annoyed about forever because it is, it was very nice. All the numbers were the same, and now they're not. So, due to that, it's not all the same. Speaking of last week, I was, I'm using uh, a new program. I just now figured out how to use the programs, how I'm editing, and the system seems like it should work. So, there shouldn't be any other issues with uh, new systems. But the issue with last week was it was very quiet because I was not using my microphone. I was using the internal computer microphone and I had no idea. So I fixed that. Uh, I did, during editing, I 
brought the audio up as loud as I could, but there are limits to how much that can be supplemented, and I'm sure the boosting of the audio made quality imperfections and audio imperfections much more obvious. So, that is my bad. I tried to fix it as much as possible, but who knows how well that worked. It seemed to be that I could hear it though. So, time to get into the data. So, for the estimated value, we have $3,140. So, that is with 1,939 cards, which gives us roughly a $1.50 per card ratio, which is significantly higher than last time, if I remember right, because I remember it being like $1.30 per card. The reason for that is that I just made a $350 deck and oh a $470 deck and a $326 deck. These are two very expensive deck decks that add up to I think it's $800 which means a significant price hike. So I do think yes the reason that these were so expensive is because they were playable and I do have a lot of expensive and useful cards in here, so this makes sense. I do think this was a significant quality increase in relation to other cards. But because of the giant hike, I might have to be a little bit more conservative. Probably not though. Um, because it's so big man, so high mana cost, I think it's fine. I don't know. I guess we'll see. So, in terms of color distribution, I did just make a five color deck and a blue-red deck, which overall isn't too bad. Uh, red, I did have a lot in, but it's, it's okay. In comparison to other weeks, I think it's a little bit better. So in green, we currently have 324. Uh, red, we have 339. Blue, we have 321. So those ones are relatively even. We're looking fine. But the two problematic ones are white and black. Black with 192 and white with 234. So those are significantly behind. Maybe I'll make two Orzhov decks next week. And that'll make it a little bit closer. Probably have to make four Orzhov decks to make it close enough, but yes, white and black are significantly behind, but the reason this is better than past weeks is because blue used to also be behind, so we're a little bit more even. The third problematic uh, section is colorless. It is at 398 in comparison with roughly an average of probably 250 for the colors. It should be at roughly 200 or 250, so it is a lot higher than it should be. Uh, and the last problematic part with color distribution 
is 137 for multicolor. That should be roughly the same as the colors, so about 250. So color distribution is pretty bad, but of all things, I don't think that's one of the things I have to worry about the most. So uh, in terms of type distribution, we have 1,121 creatures. We have 199 sorceries, 321 artifacts. We have 10 planeswalkers, 71 lands, 175 enchantments. We have four tribal cards. We have 166 instants. That is not too far off from the overall average. That is fine. Okay, in terms of rarity distribution, we have 761 commons, 608 uncommons, and 494 rares. We also have 82 mythics. So, this seems fine. Uh, it is much more drastic. The rare distribution I have of commons and uncommons is much higher, and rares and mythics is lower but I do think I am getting closer and closer over time. It seems as if the quality in my decks is slowly increasing, but by that I mean the quality measures of the individual cards, not overall. So I think I'm gonna try and be a little bit more conservative. Maybe I'll make an Orsov deck with lots of multicolor cards. So I don't know. Um, maybe I need to be more conservative. Really, I am being conservative, though, even now. Because even at a 150 per card, we calculated it's 220 per card. And even if these common, uncommon, rare mythics are getting higher, the rares and the mythics are getting higher, then I still am doing fine, because I'm still very much ahead. So, I don't know what the outtake of this is, but I might want to slow down a little bit, and I am continuing along the quest. I've almost got 2,000 cards. That is just insane. But I will continue to do this and maybe be a little bit more conservative because it's much better to be behind a lot than ahead. Thanks for listening. You can find my personal architect at I'm a Johnny, A-J-O-H-N-N-Y. You can find my commander quest and with the link in the description below. You can find my commander quest account with the link in the description below or at commander quest. You can see the link to my collection statistics in the description and my website. You can also visit my YouTube channel, Commander's Contingencies. Also, there's a link in the description below. I will also post any relevant links, such as the decks that I went over, or if there's any news, I will post links to my source or things that have more information. I'll see you next week. Oh, there will also be time blocks to tell you what times certain things in the episode are happening.